0: Welcome to our sixth podcast of the Vartakant. In the studio with me is Tim Logan.
1: Yeah, like always. Like always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except one episode. I wasn't in here.
0: This week's topic is with the organization of the Vartakant Festival. So can you tell me something about how you started it? How big was your team and where are you based?
1: Do you mean do you mean how we started it? originally or how I started like how we start this year to get ready for this yeah, year maybe this year yeah yeah um yeah well the first your your second question was where are we based so we're kind of a distributive t- distributed team if you just had that ping that was a slack message going off on me so one of the things that we use for our organization is slack mm-hmm. we Use slack a lot but yeah we're kind of based in the in the Wissenschaftszentrum in Kiel, which is where uh, my office is, and this is kind of our headquarters. But then we also have people working here in the starter kitchen where we have our amazing podcast studio. And then there are other people involved in the team who are um, working for other companies in other places.
0: So how many people in total?
1: Yeah, this is a great question. (laughs) So I would say that the core team is probably about five people and these are all people who are working for the open campus like and these are the people who are most closely associated with making the different kind of core areas of the festival work but then what we have is a wider group of curators who are from our partner organizations and these are or or just other individuals and so when we divide the when we create the themes or choose what the themes are going to be for the festival, we then have curators assigned to those themes. So and it may be that it's because they have some particular specialism um, in that area or sometimes we just have a theme and we need someone to pick it up. And someone wants to get involved. So we we give them the theme and uh, and let them run with it. Um, and then. So each of those, each of those curators will be then responsible for going and finding speakers and workshops within that theme um, and you know, up to a certain amount, maybe, you know, I think at the beginning I said, let's go and find five pieces of content on each theme.
0: And do you work the whole year on Vatican?
1: No, <laughs> not yet. We don't. But I hope we will be very soon. Um so we are working on getting to the getting to a place where it's possible for us to work all year round for the past 3 years because of the way we're funded we don't actually start work until we've got our funding approved from the federal state and so it, yeah we it makes it it makes it um we can we can kind of work on it but we can't really commit and spend any money on it so we can think a lot we've okay. been thinking a lot mm-hmm. um between uh, between the festivals for the past couple of years, and then really starting to act when we know we've got that funding. But hopefully we can we can change that. We'll see.
0: Okay, so the high peak of the work is like a few weeks before, then in summer.
1: Yeah, I mean months basically. Okay. So we started this year really going hard at the beginning of March. So you've got three and a half months. We're at the peak. Now, it gets, it gets more and more, um, and you'll go through different phases. So in the beginning, it's really exciting because there's nothing. And we have to, we have to find all of these, these pieces of content, and you don't know what it's going to be. And what's interesting is that we take an iterative approach. So as we, as we find things, we can see a theme developing and one theme not developing. And so what we can do is we can start to adjust the way the we can change the flavor of the, of the festival according to what we're finding. And then once we get a few things, we think, aha, that's an interesting direction to go in. And let's, and let's see if we can find and do more of that. And this is really nice.
0: So right. at the moment, are there any updates you can tell us about? Yeah,
1: I mean, one of the things that's kind of sort of really developing in slightly unexpectedly is the virtual reality area. And again, I, know I I seem to talk about Denmark a lot when <laughs> you like there, on, right? <laughs> on the show. I, I like it there, and we really um, we really interested in internationalisation. And from Kiel, the first international place you can get to is Denmark. So it's really important for us, and, and because Kiel has these uh, relationships uh, with Denmark, it makes sense for us to go there and get things from there. And there's a there's an amazing company called Cora VR who are the biggest. VR content creation company in Denmark, and they create both entertaining content, but also content for um, companies, business applications in virtual reality. And they also create art in, uh, they've got a a sister company called Cora Contemporary, which is actually creating virtual reality art with uh, bona fide artists um, who are now creating for the medium. And Cora, Cora VR are coming. Mm-hmm. And we just really confirmed that um just this weekend. And this is really exciting for me. This is a really nice thing. They can really talk about what's happening really, like kind of what's what we can see around the corner for the world of how it's going to be to interact with the internet what they call blended reality. So this is where the distinction between what we consider to be normal reality and these virtual and augmented realities it's going to start getting a bit blurry Mm -hmm. and i think we're going to hear some they're going to do a talk about this okay yeah or or other subjects
0: that's exciting yeah because i only experienced virtual reality on some exhibitions like for example at Mutesius there was one student who was doing something with virtual reality kind of a powerpoint and uh, also Arte did some projects, the mm-hmm. German-French television program. Very special and very new and nobody knew what to do with it, In, yeah. for example, for business mm-hmm. or for companies. Yeah. So they develop stuff for that?
1: They, like they for, totally, for companies? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, they're totally doing okay. that. So can you is, name
0: an example how
1: they do that? Yeah, I mean, it's really good in training, right? Okay. So it's really good for training applications so you can mm-hmm. put people into situations where you might be in a toxic situation in terms of like the air or the the toxic environment and you can learn how to do things in a toxic environment without Mm -hmm. actually having to do it or a really difficult difficult to get to environment you can learn you can learn how to do it but then there's also a lot of medical applications as well so um, it's hard to learn how to operate on people when there are only so many People around who need a certain operation, yeah. but you can do things in virtual reality around that. About like showing where things are, you can do a lot of um, rehabilitation work with uh, virtual reality mm-hmm. by giving people a sense of movement or showing them that movement is happening where it isn't happening. We've talked about this before. This is something that um, AutoVR do. The other virtual reality, one of the other great virtual reality companies, is mm-hmm. coming. So yeah, they're in this. They're in this space, business applications and. Yeah, it's really they're really um, I'm really glad they're going to be there, and they do the entertaining, the funny stuff as well. Okay, and, and sort of so I guess we'll we'll probably get a mix of it where I'll show various different um programs that they've got. I actually saw them a couple of weeks ago. They were also um, at another conference, and they were doing pure just some entertainment there, just a diversion, a virtual reality diversion for the attendees of the conference, and they had set up there where people had to walk a plank. Off the top of a skyscraper, you just oh. have to walk along, walk along a plank off the top of the skyscraper in its, in its virtual reality, and then the idea was that you get to the end of the plank and you jump, and you know, right? You know you're in, um, you know you're in a in a exhibition hall in uh, in Odense, but <laughs> but it, it's you know really it's a really scary thing to do. And I was watching someone who actually couldn't do it; she couldn't jump. She got to the end of the plank and she, <laughs> she could not jump forward. She could not take one more step for, further forward. And this is really interesting. Uh, yeah. Knowing exactly where she was. And this actually brings us on to, um, if I can go on, another yes, one. Of course. So there's a, so this is another one, um, another company who I'm, um, shall I talk about them? Yeah, they're coming. I know they're coming. They're called MAND and they're filmmakers, but they're making film. They're making, they're doing their, doing their art of cinematography, but through, virtual reality and they do multi-sensory multi-sensory experiences so these are experiences where they're also while the people are having the experience in virtual reality they're also putting other um, physical things into the environment like the temperature or like wind or like contact with the physical contact with the person or the person actually feeling physical things as they are as they are seeing these things happen in the virtual reality and this really once you get the physical and the physical feedback and the visual sense mm-hmm. um, at the same time. Apparently, then you really have the people you can you can make them believe anything because yeah. once once you've done that, you you pushed them into the into a place where uh, their mind just cannot differentiate <laughs> anymore. Yeah. This is super super interesting. So I believe they will be they will be with us as well. And this is so this is one of these things where virtual reality has become much. Bigger than I thought it was going to be this year at the festival
0: do you think it will be also bigger than techniques like three d in cinemas?
1: yeah, I mean it's a different it's a different thing I don't know I mean I'm actually not a great lover of three d in cinemas mm. <laughs> I yeah. kind of like I like flat two d cinema and okay. old movies okay <laughs> but, um I think it's just going to be another part of the it'll be another part of the media landscape there's going to be three d and there's going to be yeah virtual reality with something like virtual reality especially with these multi-sensory kind of experiences they're actually very the audience can only be quite small Mm. so you if you're actually interacting with people and you need a team of people to stage a production where the audience may only be one or two people in these inside the experience yeah it's quite an expensive thing to operate yeah that's true uh, thing to run so this is where it won't, but it doesn't mean it well. I was going to say it won't go to scale. It could go kind of mass scale if there's a way of starting to do that, possibly with robotics. Mm-hmm. So you could you can imagine the kind of robotic structure which you get into,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is then able to simulate a lot of different conditions, put pressure on your body in different ways, make you feel uh, different physical things without actually having to hire people to uh, yeah. stand around and... Um, and make those things happen, then yeah, yeah you can you could see that could that could become quite widespread and accessible. Yeah, oh.
0: I think that's very exciting because you always see something like that in science fiction movies. Well, I think it's it's a good idea that it's just a new part of the media landscape. But I think there were always some new technologies and they were hyped. And for example, with three uh, D, the technique is like out there for ages mm-hmm. and still we we love to watch in 2D so yeah. so I'm pretty curious do you that, like 3D movies? Um. yes sometimes like we have a television at home and right. I think for some movies they just want to make money with it yeah. but for example some documentaries which are recorded in 3D or filmed in 3D can be pretty exciting mm-hmm. like for example <laughs> BBC animal <laughs> documentary yeah totally yeah and then yeah. If the effect is good, then then it's worth it. But sometimes it's just money making. I think. Yeah. It has to be the approach has to be to film it in 3D at first because, for example, Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> they just wanted to have a 3D effect. Yeah. It didn't turn out so well, in my yeah. opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I think when you're when you're doing like when you start filming in 3D or when you start making films in 3D, then you start to like add certain action to the to the to the scenes. To exploit the three Dness, yeah. so then you get all these like dumbass camera views where yeah. you're seeing the axe spinning towards you and the spear coming out, and it's sort yeah. of from a from a storytelling perspective, you're allowing it's like allowing the medium to dictate the the storytelling yes. because you're saying, okay, well, we're going to fit it fit it into this, and sometimes you can see that that's done in t- too much of a kind of like overdone placative mm-hmm. kind of way, you know, so. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit. I'm also a little bit skeptical about some yeah. some 3D stuff.
0: I think for virtual reality films, it will be even harder because you can't have camera people in the movie, so it has to be recorded carefully and it has to be planned. And it's even harder than these well planned sections like uh, the film Victoria. It was done in one shot, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they recorded two or three times. Mm-hmm. I filmed it three times, and I think that was kind of a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> and now yeah. we have virtual reality, so it's a bigger step. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah, no, yeah. Can't. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be
1: very nice. <laughs> so the uh, we won't be able to try it. some of it. This, this stuff you won't be able to try. They're they're just they'll just be talking about it because okay. it's too much to, too expensive to settle that, that up. You know, yeah. for, us for this year, but okay. now that we know about it, then maybe we can do we yeah. can figure something else out. Then got my eye on that yeah
0: back to
1: what i can yeah back to the organization so yeah, we were talking about cura- the like kind of curatorial organization of vatacant yes. and, and there's another thing that's really important just the last thing to say on that is that diversity is really important so we have this um we have this uh a sort of a heter- heterogeneous team of people who are looking for speakers and coming up with ideas And it's not all really coming from one, just even from one organisation, but from these other organisations as well. And people from different perspectives. And we get kind of guest people in every year and bring new people in every year and coming with their ideas. And we're not always like all aligned with each other in terms of what we think is the festival should be or what we feel like is right for a particular theme for a festival. But this is a really nice thing. It creates not conflict so much, but there's a little bit of there's some there's some creative tension mm-hmm. um but it but it but I think it makes for a much better much better event in the end because you really uh, get different perspectives that are outside of your own bubble represented, and yeah, this is one of my favorite things about about the festival is this kind of diversity in the in the organizational team yeah, yeah. yeah. and aside from that, I mean the other big thing that we have is. Um, building the space up so we've built up kind of we're, we're building on what we've done before but every year we build up a new um setup for the festival and this is at the mfk5 galenda the former helicopter base in kiel and we're doing that right now again we're building up at the moment and starting to get uh, starting to get the new space together and this is really important for um as it relates to the theme of uh, the subject, like the kind of like this third really important pillar of our organisation, which is volunteers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are looking for volunteers right now. Volunteers are massively important for the event itself. So we need volunteers to come on board and make people feel welcome. There are a zillion jobs to do at the festival and... If anybody is interested and is listening now and interested then please um contact us at info at um, to find out about the volunteering possibilities but also um in the build-up we also need volunteers for the build-up too as well as the actual uh, doing things at the two-day event
0: do you have already material for the big hall the mfg or do you always Edits.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mario. we have, we've built some really nice stuff over the past couple of years. So we keep it and we're using it again. Yeah. And we've also borrowed some really nice stuff over the past couple of years. So the best of this stuff, we will try to borrow again. Okay. In 2017, we had a stage, which was a caravan, which had one side of the caravan cut off. And then it had, been, had like a green carpet inside and been painted green inside and had lights across the top of the of the cut off opening. Mm. And we used this as a stage. And nice. we use this as our main stage. And it was Perfect. super cool. It yeah. was a really, <laughs> really uh nice thing to have. Yeah. We didn't use it in twenty eighteen, we had like other ideas and we moved the stages around and things, but mm-hmm. um maybe that will put in a guest appearance again at some point in that
0: yeah. in caravan. What do I have to bring as a volunteer?
1: So, as a volunteer, yeah, you really need to bring enthusiasm, mm-hmm. right? And some kind of, it doesn't matter if you don't know anything about any of our kind of subjects, but you have to be someone who wants to learn about this kind of thing. You know, you have to be someone who's excited by ideas around entrepreneurship and ideas around just getting up and doing something for yourself, trying, like Yodorovsky says, like really trying to be creative, trying to uh, make a difference in the world we're a very authentic organization and so we try to do things which really have meaning we're not doing this for commercial gain we're doing it because we love doing it we want to do it we feel like it's the right thing to do um, especially for young people in uh, in Schleswig-Holstein and we need people who are gonna kind of get into that vibe you know
0: Okay. Do I have to speak English?
1: Yes. Okay. Definitely one of the things. Yeah. Bring English, enthusiasm, curiosity.
0: Yeah.
1: And your there's a kind of you can work. um, I mean, at least be available on the thirteenth and fourteenth of June, which are the main days. But we also have other requirements for before the event and also after the event for taking things down again. And yeah, there's some really interesting jobs. I think you can really learn something as well.
0: And it's also good for networking because yeah. you can meet a lot of people, yeah. also from yeah. Scandinavia. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Lots of
1: people from Scandinavia, but also just like a, you can make a great, a great network in Kiel. Yeah. So I mean, I think everyone who's involved, who gets involved in the festival, their network in Kiel and Schleswig-Holstein like grows massively once once they're into it, you know. And you start to, I mean, Kiel was a village anyway before mm. <laughs> before you start. <laughs> And then you really start to bump into people you you know all the time because, you know, you, this there's, there's, you, we bring a lot of people together who are actually involved in the creation of the festival itself. So, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's great for meeting people too. Hit I me.
0: saw on uh, Instagram that there's a festival which is called Vodakand. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that?
1: Yes, it's not by the same organisation, mm-hmm. but we know the Vodkaunt v- people and. Last year we had our after party at the Vöderkant. So Vöderkant Vol- is something that happens at the Kielerwoche. Mm-hmm. And they are more... I mean, they have like a, a space at the Kielerwoche. They do some workshops there as well. Um, and they have like a bar and, you know, a stage. And so it's a really cool place to go and hang out. It's on the on the Kieler um, mm-hmm. near where the rowing clubs are. But what's interesting this year is... Yeah uh, yeah last so last year we kind of had an after party kind of corporation um going on with the uh, Vodacant, and this year we're actually taking some space at the Kiel Linear during the Keelvoka like kind of right next to them. Oh, so okay. <laughs> it can get a little bit confusing around the names but they are mm-hmm. Vodacant and we are Vartecant and yeah we'll be we'll be basically transporting a little bit of the Vartecant festival and talking about open campus as well
0: yeah.
1: at at the Keelvoka exactly where if you know the key linear there is um there is a playground there with a kind of metal windsurfer and a ship that you can get onto Mm -hmm. and we are going to be exactly there during the kilobocker this Mm -hmm. year okay yeah
0: so i will find you there as well Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) yeah Yeah, maybe we can do a guest uh, we can do a um a podcast a live podcast from the stage there as well (laughs) might be a bit windy yeah but yeah
0: then we have the noises of the harbour as well. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to have that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So thanks for listening.
1: Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah. See you next week.